Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, well, the wellspring number two is today. I have been looking forward to this series for a while. I hope that it's been meaningful to you. How many of you like to garden? Anybody consider yourself a gardener? Yes, some. I'm a gardener. I actually, I feel like a little bit of a fraud saying that I'm a gardener. That I, like I've seen Miss Greta's garden. It's gorgeous. That's a gardener. I, d- I did have great tomatoes, but I, I just like to plant things. I don't know. I don't know if I know enough yet, if I'm experienced enough yet to say that I'm a gardener. I, I just like to garden. I'm already itching for spring. Any other gardeners like it just can't wait until Darren today I just want to go outside and plant things and be in the sun and like get my hands dirty I'm so excited but what I've noticed is every year when I go to, to begin to when I'm just in the planning process I pick out all of the things that I'm gonna plant and I, I think this is enough for my family right probably not a ton extra I don't want like so but I just think this is this is enough but by the end of the summer, every year, and again, maybe I'm just not not super seasoned at this yet, but every year so far, I've had so much more than we can possibly eat. I'm begging people to take things, right? All the gardeners in the room are like, yep, me too. That's how it works. There's such a beauty in that to me. This magical, almost supernatural God thing about that for me, like, uh, I can plant this tiny little seed, right? This little thing, this dead little thing, put it in the ground, and and sure, I, I, I plant it in good soil, right? I can fertilize, I can make sure it's in the sun, I, I water it, and all of that, but it produces so much more than I could even handle, I, and I can't tell you how it grows, I just know that if I do this, this, and this, it it probably will. But there's a magic in that seed, right? That probably even botanists haven't fully figured out. You can't study a seed enough to see the magic that actually happens in that thing. There, There's a lot of things in this world that are still God's business. All right, we've, we've accomplished so much as human beings. We, we have... Things in the skies circulating the earth and helping us to use our little magical devices, right? We've accomplished this. We have so much knowledge at our fingertips, and that's beautiful and amazing. But there's still some things that are just God's business. God makes seeds. We are the gardeners, sure. I can sort of figure out the steps that it takes to grow something, but I'm not the grower. God makes the seeds. The the problem with church people sometimes is that we've been taught that God provides, and he does, but by that we assume that God, when I need a tomato, God provides tomatoes. God provides seeds. Follow that? We're the gardeners. We have to do some work. We have to put it in the sunlight. We have to water it. We have to fertilize it. We have to make sure the soil is good. 
we have some work to do in that. I work all summer weeding my garden, right? Making sure everything is perfect. I'm, I'm pruning, I'm picking, I'm tending. But God makes it grow. God makes seeds. So we've been taught, we, we, this is a T.D. Jake's teaching that we quote a lot around here, actually. But the problem is that we've been taught that God makes furniture, right? We, we pray and we pray and we pray. We pray and we pray. God, provide. I need a table. God, provide a table. God says, I make trees. I make trees. I've never known God to hand me a table when I need one. God makes trees. We've been taught that he makes furniture. It's just not quite right. God is a provider. Absolutely. I can't make the sun put the right things on the garden, right? I I don't do that. God does that. He provides. I don't make it rain. God does that. He provides. All I can do is put it in the soil, and God makes it grow. One little seed somehow produces so much more than even my family can eat. It multiplies itself hundreds, sometimes thousands of times for some plants. When planted in a healthy environment, it'll overflow naturally. But it's our job to keep it healthy. When I was young, I tell this story a lot, but I was so shy, so debilitatingly shy. I called it my cage of fear. I felt like I was always in a cage, like I was bound literally by something. It was fear. Fear kept me bound. It was polluting my well. We talked about the well last week, right? Polluted everything. Even when I began to overflow, it was poisoned somehow. It wasn't right. It it came out all wrong. It was polluted. The garden was poisoned. I had a friend growing up that became known for stealing things. She had allowed some pollution to to overflow from her, right? It started to, to creep in in everything that she did. Greed kept her bound. I had another friend that she just always had to be the most, you know? It, was all, it felt like a competition, everything, and she was trying to gain all of these things, just like we talked about last week. She was trying to pour happiness in the well, right? She was going around, putting happiness in, a little external stuff here, a little there, and trying desperately to fill her well. It doesn't work that way. This this pride thing, this need kept her bound. I had other friends, lust kept them bound. It, it keeps us empty because it, it feels like we're doing the right things. It feels like we're filling the well with what we need. I'm serving me. But in actuality, it keeps us bound. This is why sin will always find you out. The Bible says that. Sin will always find you out because it has an effect on the status of your overall soul. It pollutes. It poisons. It it makes us bound and and stopped up and and clogged. It clogs the overflow that Jesus wants to do in our lives. And if if the enemy can't get to our soul, he will get to our fruitfulness. He attacks it so that we can overflow the goodness of God onto other people. Because as we talked about last week, it was never meant to work this way. It was never meant for us to take our little buckets and try to pour into the well. Something came out of there. Dusty. 
Certainly not water. Things come out, we put them in. But it's still not quite right. In fact, it's still very empty. You will have a dry, dead, stopped up well unless you pour the right thing into your soul. And you'll never produce fruit with a poisoned well. In John 15, Jesus said, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. The enemy can't get your soul. He will try to get your fruitfulness. Look, your salvation isn't meant to be kept all to yourself. It's not just for you. You are meant to overflow. You're meant to give into the world around you, onto the people around you. God is generous, and his people are meant to be generous too. We don't overflow for us. We overflow for others, but we can't do that apart from Jesus. We try. We try to get that fame on our own. We we try to get um, wealth on our own. It doesn't work that way. We're fruitless without him. And we talked about last week, you can't just be more patient on our own. How many have tried? Right? It doesn't work that way. You leave these doors Sunday morning, and you say, I'm just going to be more patient. That's my goal. And you get two seconds out the driveway. Somebody pulls out in front of you, and it's all down the drain. It doesn't work that way. You can't just be more faithful, faith-filled on your own. doesn't work that way. You can't just be more compassionate on your own. These things are fruit of something else, someone else. God wants to give us life and life abundantly. He wants us to overflow, but not for us. Like God doesn't do things halfway, by the way. It's not how he does them. His, and when he does something, it is perfect and whole and complete. Nothing is missing from it. Nothing should be added to it. It is perfect. When he means for you to overflow, not because he just overestimated. He didn't just give you more than you can handle by accident. He gives us more than we can handle for others. It's not meant for us. Then he prunes branches that don't bear fruit. He prunes branches that do bear fruit so that they can produce more in season and out of season. Isn't that amazing? I would love to have a garden that produced all year long, right? Who wouldn't? He produces in season and out of season. You know, I think some of us, we tend to get complacent. There's this business book called um, Good to Great. I just opened up my eyes to this concept. I get content. I get complacent really easily, right? It's why my weight loss plans never fully work. Because I'm like, "Eh, it's good enough. Right? It's good enough. Good is the enemy of great. Good enough keeps you at good enough. 
keeps you from continuing to work at something. You can't be great if you're content with just good all of the time. God is not somebody who's content with just good. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they bear more. That's what he does. He is an overflowing God. He is a generous God. But when I say I'm fruitful enough, yeah, I'm patient enough, I'm I'm happy enough, I've brought enough of my friends to Jesus. What's enough? What is that? What is enough? Right? What is actually enough? Jesus goes on to say in verse 5, Yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And I think some of us believe that it takes a Bible degree to be fruitful for God. That it takes a certain age to be fruitful for God. I thought it takes some credentials on the wall, some, some ordination or something to be fruitful for God. I've encountered people around here, even people that walk in on Sunday morning. There was a lady once that came in and said, I'm pastor so-and-so. And I said, oh, that's awesome. Where do you pastor? No way. YouTube, I think, was the answer. She put videos out on YouTube, and I was like, oh. Okay, that, so you're not a pastor. I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. I grew up here where everybody's a pastor, sure. But you have to be pastoring someone. It's a verb, to pastor. I mean, yeah, it's a noun too, but it means you have to be doing something. It's an action word to pastor. Years ago, we were uh, starting a young adults group. I was very young, but I was children's pastoring here. And I remember getting together with a group of people and there was a lady, a girl who walked in. She said, I'm or I'm an ordained pastor. She had nothing but negative things to say about all of my ideas, everybody's ideas. She just wanted to say how horrible they were. Okay. What's the point of being an ordained pastor? If if there's nobody following, right? Is that all it takes to be producing fruit of an ordination? a plaque on your wall, a degree? Are you ministering? If you're a minister, are you ministering to anyone? It doesn't take a title. Is there anyone following? Is there anyone following? Are you living your life in such a way that someone would want to follow? That someone would look at your life and say, oh, Something is is right with them. Something is powerful in them. Something is different. Maybe I should follow and see where they're going on Sunday morning. Right? Are you living your life in such a way that somebody wants to model their life after you? Are you growing and, and learning and changing all of the time? Can they see fruit in your life? This is why churches talk so much about finding your purpose. Finding your your place. God doesn't make useless things. 
It doesn't make useless people. You have a purpose on planet Earth. And just because you haven't discovered your use yet doesn't mean you are useless. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Your well might just be stopped up. <laughs> I might be a little poisoned or polluted right now. It might not be overflowing life like this one yet. But get your water pure, get the soil clean, and you'll start producing fruit again because you are not the one that does that in the first place. God does that. It's your job to get to pruning, to fix the garden, right? to make the conditions right in the garden. A lot of us need to allow the Holy Spirit to prune in our lives. And we have some things that we know we shouldn't be doing, but we're doing them anyway. We have some things that we know we should be doing, but we're not doing them. Weeding and pruning can be a messy process. It can be a lot of hard work sometimes. But in the end, you'll be fruitful again. God gives us tools to prune. He does. Uh, conviction is a tool of the Holy Spirit. Right? And it's not guilt. We're not talking about guilt and shame here because guilt and shame make you want to run far away from God. Conviction from the Holy Spirit pulls you to Him. It's God saying, I love you so much. Even in your mess, I love you so much. Come back. Cut this out. Stop putting up walls between me and you because I love you so much. That's what conviction from the Holy Spirit does. And it often just feels like a little nagging thing. Like, oh, I know I shouldn't be doing this. God loves me anyway. I know I shouldn't be, right? But the more you ignore it, the quieter that voice gets. Some of us have been ignoring it for a long time. We might have some fruit going on in our lives, but it's tainted, it's, it's polluted, it's poisoned. It's not going to be that way forever. Confession is another tool for this. Tell someone. The secrets tend to keep you sick. Confess it. Get healthy again. Right? Because by the time you're ready for it to come out of your mouth, you're ready to be done with it. As long as you're keeping it a secret, it's going to keep you sick. Confess that sin to somebody you trust, a, a pastor, a friend you know you can trust and rely on. Confess it and get it out of there. It's a tool God gave us to get the garden right again, to get the conditions right, to be an overflowing well again. Repentance is a tool. It's so healthy. Confess your sins to one another. Turn from your wicked ways. He wants to bless you. He's dying to bless you. Just get the garden right. Allow the Holy Spirit to prune you. Don't fight it because eventually sin will find you out. Eventually, it will find you out one way or another. Discipline yourself now or the world will later. And the world's discipline is much more harsh. And this is a piece of parenting advice too, in fact. Discipline your kids now or the world will later. Much more harshly. There is jail time involved in those harsh punishments that the world will 
discipline with. The world is not kinder to us either. Discipline yourself now or the world will later. Your sin will find you out. The good news is Jesus is here to help with that. He wants to help with that. It's not impossible to fix it. True disciples produce fruit. That's what Jesus said. What are you producing? Really think about it. What are you producing? What is your faith producing? Verse 9, I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. We're not called to trudge through life. One foot in front of the other. How are you doing today? I'm here. Come on. We're called to overflow. Our joy will overflow when we get this right. We can allow him to overflow out of us because we are called to be fruitful. Are you just someone who believes Jesus existed? I think a lot of Christians honestly believe that they are a Christian if they just believe that Jesus walked on the earth. I believe he was real. That's not a Christian. A Christian is little Christ. It is a a disciple of Christ. Are you just someone who believes that Jesus existed? Probably. Or are you a disciple? Jesus was a fruit-bearing tree in a starving world. He was able to make a difference for these past 2,000 years by just walking three years on this earth in ministry because he was a fruit-bearing tree in a world that was starving. He's called each of us to be fruit-bearing trees. We need so many more trees. So many more. People willing to open their homes to home groups to minister to other people, people willing to teach children about the gospel, people willing to share the gospel online, people willing to step out and, and, and talk about Jesus with their coworkers, people willing to give sacrificially into the church so we can be more and more effective together. We need so many more trees. If faith without works is dead, it's dead. You don't actually have faith if you're not willing to do something about it. And this isn't works-based salvation. This is salvation-based works. It's meant to overflow out of your salvation, out of your relationship with Jesus, not the other way around. We don't fix our well problem by just doing more, right? Collecting more happiness doing more serve projects at the church and then try to pour that in. No, it should be coming from within, flowing out from your relationship with Jesus. Obedience is not legalism. Obedience will lead to a flourishing, abundant, overflowing life. 
Jesus gives life and life abundantly. It comes from within. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, I can love Jesus and still do whatever I want. I can. Sure, you can. You can love Jesus, kind of, and still do whatever you want. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial, right? You can't be a true disciple if you're not producing fruit. And the sin in your life that you're claiming that you can do, those rights you want to claim, they're going to stop up the well. You won't be fruitful for long when you're allowing those things to run rampant in your life. Disobedience comes between you and fruitfulness. And God only tolerates fruitlessness for so long. It's a story that always scares me a little bit in the Bible. You know, the ten plagues were ten chances for Pharaoh. Right? Pharaoh had ten chances to say, yes, I will let the people go. On that ninth chance, though, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart nine times. On the last time, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he said, that's enough. God is not an enabler. He's not going to allow evil, fruitlessness, to go on forever. At some point, he's going to put a stop to it. It scares me because what if I'm on my ninth chance and I don't even know it? What if I've said no too many times? What if I've been lazy and and allowed something to go on in my life for I'm on my last chance until God hardens my heart, until he stops the evil? Isaiah 61 the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. Me. He sent me. We have been sent We have been anointed. We are the comforters. We are the proclaimers. We are the good news bringers. We're the hope dealers in the world. We are meant to bring it to the world because God makes trees. God makes seeds. Each one of you are meant to be a seed planted in this earth, producing fruit. God gave us free will. He's not going to force everybody out there to know him. He sent you to tell them you're a seed in God's hand meant to produce fruit out there in the world. There is a reason the church has not been uprooted in 2,000 years despite all of the persecution, despite the world trying hard to get us to be silent because what God plants cannot be uprooted. You've been sent. Don't let anything out there uproot you. It doesn't have the power over you. You go out there head held high, shoulders back, ready to do what God has called us to do. We do that by pouring Jesus in the well. You don't have to try harder. Be more 
have all of the qualifications on your wall. You just have to pour Jesus in. He produces the fruit. This year, we're called to be overflowers. Stop focusing on try, trying to be better and, and be happier. And just focus on Jesus. When I was talking about pruning, some of you immediately thought of something. There is something, something in your life you've been putting off maybe, or you've been saying, I just can't do it. How will I live life without that, that thing? I, I rely on it so heavily. I know I shouldn't be doing it, but I don't know if I can live without it. I'm here to tell you today you can it's a lie of the enemy that life is going to be worse without it. Actually, your life will be better without that thing. Life is better with Jesus, with freedom. The enemy wants to trick us into thinking it's better in the cage. It's better to be bound. This is where I find all my happiness. Jesus is the giver of joy. The Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Just let it flow. Pour Jesus in and watch what he does in your life. Stop trying to be more patient and just spend more time with Jesus. Stop trying to be more compassionate to force it on yourself. I just don't love people. I'm just going to try to smile more. (laughs) Pour Jesus in and you will naturally smile more. You will naturally be more compassionate. You will naturally be more kind. But you do have to tend to the well. That's not to say we have no role in this. Prune it. Be obedient. Repent. Confess. Turn from that thing. And it will automatically flow out of you. God, help us today. Help us to be obedient. Help us to stop ignoring that thing that's been going on in our life for way too long. Help us to get the well right. Weed out the poison. Weed out the the pollution, the weeds that have been growing up around our ankles. Help us to get rid of them. Walk in freedom. Unburden ourselves in your presence. God, you are so good. Help us not to see you as this angry overlord in the sky. It just is is condemning us all of the time, telling me all of the ways that I've done wrong. Help us to see you as you truly are, that you want to smile upon us. You want to give us the, the blessings that we sang about earlier. That you want them to follow us from generation to generation. All we have to do is be obedient, to line up with your word see ourselves as sons and daughters of the King. Truly live free. If that's you today and you're saying with heads bowed and eyes closed in the room, if you're saying here or online, I I know I have something to repent of. And I know that if I don't do something about it right this minute, I might not do it. So I just want to give you the opportunity today. Heads bowed and eyes are closed in the room. Just raise your hand. Even if you're at home, just do something. Raise your hand if you're saying, I know of the thing. I know exactly what it is, and I'm going to repent today. 
that's you, just raise your hand. Just as a symbol to say, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn. I'm going to do that thing I know that I should do. Or stop doing that thing I know I shouldn't do. You can put those down. Maybe today you're, you're saying, I haven't given it all to Jesus ever. It's not one particular thing. It's a lot of things. I know my well is poisoned. I know my garden is full of weeds. I know I can't do this alone. I'm choking in the weeds. Jesus brings freedom. He can do it in an instant. I've seen him break addictions in an instant. I've seen him lift burdens. I've seen him bring forgiveness naturally flowing out of your soul. Where before you were saying, ah, there's no way I will ever forgive that thing. But with Jesus, it's so easy. I've been forgiven of so much. And it's so easy to give it to others now. If that's you today and you're saying, I want Jesus, I want to be free. Maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. Would you just raise your hand if you're here in the room? I want Jesus first time, or it's been a while. If you're at home, text the number on the screen. I'm in to following Jesus. I want to live free. Get a fresh start. Father, we thank you. We praise you for making us free, for unpoisoning our well, for making the living water flow purely, beautifully, Thank you for making the garden of our life beautiful. Thank you for producing fruit in our lives. God, unstop our wells. Help us be overflowers for you. Help us show the world your love. Let us see them the way that you see them. Help us to be the vibrant, passionate, selfless church we've been called to be so that we can truly change the world with the message of the gospel. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.